When the Lord brought back the captive to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Welcome everyone, my name is Buzz, I'm one of the pastors here, and in the life of my family, this is like holiday extravaganza. You know, a couple weeks ago we had Father's Day, um, my wedding anniversary is coming up in the first week of July, Chair and I are celebrating 15 years of marriage, which I'm very grateful for. Thank you. I know you're applauding, how can she keep, how can she put up with that guy for 15 years? She's hanging strong. Uh, and I'm always reminded of that because that song we just sang, How Great Thou Art, was the song that we played at our wedding. And so every time we sing it, I'm reminded of starting my journey with Tara, who I love, and just the joy that comes with that. Fifteen years ago, we had no idea what the Lord was going to bring us through, and we also had no idea how good it was going to be. So we are very blessed. And then two days ago, June 25th, do you guys know what June 25th is? No, it's six months till Christmas. That's what June 25th is. <laughs> Get excited. So we're going to do a little bit of gifts. Some people yelled out, it's my birthday. Does anybody in here have a birthday? Anybody? You guys need to put your hands in the air. This is not rhetorical. This is not going to work very well if you don't put your hands in the air. Who has a birthday? Everybody has a birthday, right? So happy belated birthday to you, okay? Happy belated to me. June 25th is my birthday. I'm not going to tell you the year, not because I don't want you to know how old I am, but for identity theft reasons. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Right. This all has a, has a point, I'm sure, somewhere, somehow, some way. Uh, so I brought a pinata because it's just fun, right, to celebrate birthdays. Nobody is happier than a little kid anticipating their birthday, are they? You know, like uh, in my family growing up, we were more like Christmas people than birthday people, but I can still remember like looking forward to the big day when you just know it's going to be unbelievable, it's going to blow your mind, it's going to be beyond your wildest dreams. Right? My mom and my dad, they sacrificed to buy us literally everything it seemed like we wanted. You know, and then like looking back, we had stuff like apples in our stocking and you realize like, man, that was a great treat, but I didn't at the time really grasp how tough it might have been for my parents, but we had such joy as kids because of the sacrifices that they had done. You know, so birthdays all strike us a little bit differently and uh, my youngest son, Gabriel, is the most joyful in our family. I think it's kind of a youngest child move just to be happy even, uh, even if you shouldn't be. And so I wanna share with you a couple of the birthday gifts that he received. And I'm going to open these because I never get to open my own birthday presents anymore. My kids get in there and do it for me. So this is like my time to shine. So thank you for indulging me. And wow, can you believe it? Can you imagine being five years old, four years old, and opening up a superhero cape with your name on it? Gabe. Oh, that's so sweet. I didn't buy this for him. One of our friends did. They're a lot better than I am at, at giving gifts. This is amazing, right? This is blowing his mind, like... And then there's a mask that comes with it too, All right? So you can be your very own superhero. I'm going to try this thing on, see if this works out. I can't fit it, but look at that, man. Like, so cool. It's like a dream come true. It's like he's not even himself anymore. He is a superhero. And if you're ever feeling sad, come over to my house, look out the front window, and catch Gabe on his scooter with a superhero cape flapping in the wind. Like, it's like a dream come absolutely true. Right? Nothing better than being a little kid 
with a birthday. You know, as you advance towards middle school, it feels like, uh, if there's any middle schools in here, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like it gets a little bit more uh, or less about the imagination side, I guess I should say, and more about the wealth acquisition side of birthdays. Right, so this is when I was like 10 to 12 was when grandma started writing me checks and I got a bank account and I started accumulating money and stuff. And then like right about middle school, gifts start to get pretty expensive. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, what do you want for Christmas? I want like a $500 electronic thing. Like that's not how we, how we operate. But on that very same birthday, Gabriel got this. And this is Star Wars bag. So you know it's gonna be great inside. And he opened it up. And what did he find in there but his very own remote control Star Wars droid DO. Wow, have you seen these? This is like better even than money can buy and they've never let me play with it so I'm gonna play with it right now for a second if that's okay. And like look at that. Can you imagine being six and then having your very own Star Wars droid to play with in your house? Can you imagine being a dad who, well, I mean, I don't know if they bought him a warranty or not, but can you imagine being a dad who's genius enough to trick his kids into liking Star Wars so you can steal their toys, right? This is like a dream come true. This looks like my nightstand at home. It's getting out of control. Right, there's nothing more joyful or happy than a kid whose dreams have come true on their birthday, right? Not a lot of stuff, not a lot of money. This this is not like, 700 thread count Chinese silk. It's like rayon from the dollar store. They don't care. They love it. They're like those who dreamed, you know. And, but as we get older and life kind of beats us down a little bit and we have these travails and these trials, we forget what it's like to dream like a kid. We forget what it's like to realize that dreams can actually come true and that they are coming true and that they have come true. We forget what it's like to have just unbridled joy and unbridled enthusiasm, don't we? I think this is why the psalmist writes in Psalm 126 what he does, but I want to ask you as we turn to our text for today, what is it that you're dreaming about? What what do you dream about? What's in your heart? Probably not becoming a superhero, but what, what is the dream that you have for yourself? Have you lost hope in that? Or do you believe that God can still bring it to come true? Part of the good news, I think, of the gospel And the gospel means, literally, good news is that this joy-filled world I'm talking about, it's not a dream in the sense that it's not real. It's not a dream in the sense that it's stuck with a past or that it's pie in the sky and we need something more realistic to hang on to. It's not a dream. The gospel is good news because it is true. And it's like a dream come true because it's better than you could even have ever asked or imagined. All right, this is why the psalmist writes in Psalm 126, verses one and two, what he does, and I'll read it for you. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Man, we were like kids on our birthday. We were like six-year-olds on Christmas. This is a psalm where the Lord has already delivered his people and he's already brought the people back. This isn't a psalm like where we're asking God like how long must we wait for you or it's not a psalm like last week where it was like we made it but just barely. This is a psalm where we get to see the saving acts of God and just respond in pure unbridled joy like a superhero or like a kid with a droid. Man. As a result, we shouldn't be filled with 
joy. I realize the irony of me talking about joy is fairly thick for a number of reasons because I don't know if you know this about me, I don't smile that much. Have you guys seen that? I know we have these signs in the lobby that say things like there's a smile under this mask and like mostly that's true but if you saw me holding the sign, it wouldn't be true, right? I just wouldn't be smiling under the mask. I'm happy on the inside as my friend Josh says. I really am but it just really leaks out of my face. I keep it way down in the depths of my heart like they taught me in Sunday school. You guys know that song? <laughs> so of course we're having a little bit of fun with that, but at a certain point, if God has really touched your heart, if God has really changed your life, if the promises that he offers are true, like shouldn't you tell your face, <laughs> you know? Like shouldn't you smile? Shouldn't there be some sort of response? Shouldn't there be some sort of praise, some sort of generosity, some sort of worship, some sort of something in response to the goodness of the Lord? You know, elsewise we'll be like kids who open birthday gifts, maybe you've heard of these kids, and they're not even content with what they have. They get a superhero cape and they're like, how come this isn't brand name? Where's Iron Man? They get a DO droid, remote control, amazing. People would dream about this for years and they're like, how come it's not BB-8? How come it's not R2-D2? How come it's not C-3PO? I don't even know that movie. I haven't seen that movie. That's the worst Star Wars movie that there is. And it's like, man, you just got gifts beyond imagining and you're complaining. You're complaining. I think sometimes we complain because we don't know how good we have it and we forget how good God is. We're always wanting what we don't have and we're always wanting more and that chokes our joy out. Man, so we need to take a little bit of time this morning to remember how has the Lord restored your fortunes? Just like it said in the scripture, what has he brought you out of? What great things has the Lord done for you? How has he restored you and where has he brought you back from? You know, in many translations, including the one that Susan read for us on the screen, it renders that verse, when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. You know, the Hebrew is a little ambiguous, and I, but I think that that's the better translation because the Israelites were carried away at that time by the kingdom of Babylon and carried into captivity into a capital city that wasn't theirs a different nation, a different people, a different religion, a different language, different food, different culture, and they just had to long and dream for home for something like 70 years. So if you're reading in your Bible, this is people like Daniel, people like Esther, people like Ezra or Nehemiah, they're captive in a strange land. And can you imagine what it would have been like to be among that people when the Lord finally brought them back home into Israel, into their homeland, into the food they love, the people they cared about, where they can worship face-to-face -face with God in the temple? You know, those of you who aren't originally from the United States probably know what I'm talking about because what is it like to go home and to feel like I can sleep in my own bed, I can eat my own food, I can speak to people in my first language, I'm home. This is better than I have ever dreamed about. And this is what the Israelites experienced as they were brought back from captivity, set free as prisoners and given their independence once more. It's amazing. Can you imagine being a child in that time and you have only heard of the land of Jerusalem from stories from your grandparents? And then you get to see it for the very first time with your own eyes. It's like a dream come true. We were like those who dreamed. You couldn't help but rejoice, right? This is the gift of God is bringing us back from captivity. Seeing us, knowing us, giving us gifts better than we think even that we might deserve. You know, last Christmas I was, uh, 
I was feeling kind of stressed. Christmas is stressful. Do you know that? I prefer to be a six-year-old on a holiday as opposed to like a grown-up because the grown-ups, we got to fund everything. We got to stay up late and wrap everything. We got to try to make all this excitement for all the kids. And here I am complaining on Joy Sunday, you know, and I remember uh, it was stressful. We were kind of back into that second lockdown. If you guys remember back in December, my kids were back school online and we're trying to figure out like staff meetings at church. It was my week to launch the Zoom meeting to collect our staff to come in. I was running late. How do you run late when you work at home? Does this happen to you guys? I run so late. My commute is from my bed to my kitchen. It's not far. I can make it, you know, but I'm late. I'm late and I'm scrambling on Zoom. And of course, Zoom doesn't cooperate. And in 9.01, finally, I get the Zoom link up. And then I remember, oh, staff meeting's not till 9.30. Perfect. 29 bonus minutes. So what do you do when you have 29 bonus minutes? You got to make coffee, right? So you're grinding coffee, you're getting your coffee pot ready to go, and then I reach into my drawer to pull out uh, a spoon so I can serve myself a little bit of sugar. This is what the great St. Mary Poppins taught us, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the coffee go down. And there's no spoons in my drawer. And I was just grumpy, I was crabby, I was late, I was stressed, and I was like, you know what I want? I want to reach into my drawer and know that there's going to be a spoon there when I need it, right? I don't want anybody touching my spoon. Like, this is just all I want. I'm just, ugh. pour my coffee, get mad. I don't know why I was mad. I was just stressed. So then on Christmas morning, I come over there and I get ready to open one of my gifts. It looked something like this, although I wrapped this. Tara's looked a lot nicer. This says Joy on it, just to remain on brand for today. And uh, so I opened this up. I didn't know what it was. Look at that. Look at that. This is a spoon. This is not just any spoon. This is an antique silver spoon that my wife found on Etsy, because that's how she rolls, hand-stamped with one of my famous dad sayings. Do you ever say the same thing to your kids over and over? I say, as I have said, because surely they need to know. They're, you know, obey the first time. I'll have to say that to you. So it's stamped in there, emblazoned into our memory, as I have said, and nobody can touch this spoon. If you'd like to come up and see it after service, you can't do it. It's mine. It's in my drawer, and then if it's not washed, you know whose fault it is? My fault. Nobody can touch it, right? Anytime I need coffee, I have sugar in my coffee. It's amazing. I have a spoon. I'm so happy. <laughs> but, you know, but it's not just about having a spoon or having a thing or having an item or having some freedom. What for me was really touching about this One of the best gifts I've ever received, I think, I hold right here in my hands, is that Tara saw me grumpy. She saw me stressed. She saw me, like, just agitated over nothing, and she didn't get mad at me. She just said, I see you. I know you. I gift this to you. A little bit of joy. I'm with you. Man, and that gift of being seen and known and heard and understood was amazing. And so every time I use this spoon and make my own coffee, I drink way too much coffee, so I use it a lot. I think somebody sees me, knows me, loves me, and cares about me. Here's a little gift of joy. It carries you through your day. It's an amazing gift. But that's what we have in Jesus Christ, isn't it? We have a Savior who sees us, who knows us, who loves us, who walks with us, who gives us these gifts of joy to carry us through the day, more than we deserve. So maybe you're grumpy and crabby. Man, the Lord sees you. Maybe you're hurting and tired. The Lord sees you. Maybe you're happy with something to celebrate. Man, the Lord sees you. He walks with you and he gives you a gift of joy more than you could ever ask or imagine. We are like those who dreamed. This is too good to be true, isn't it? 
I think maybe it's that seenness, that knownness that causes the psalmist to write in verses two and three what he does. He says, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. And how can the psalmist, this ancient Israelite, say that about his own nation? They were captive. They were prisoners. They were conquered. That's not a great nation, so to speak. Egypt, that's a great nation with the pyramids of remembrance. Rome, like that's a great nation, conquering peoples and Colosseum and culture all around the world. And that's not greatness in the way that the Lord measures it, though. In Jeremiah chapter 9, Jeremiah reminds us that greatness isn't because of your riches, your wealth, or your wisdom. As Jeremiah puts it, he says, let the one who boasts boast in this, that he understands me and knows me, says the Lord Almighty. So Israel's greatness then was because they knew and understood the Lord, that they had a relationship with him. That's what could cause the nations to say of Israel, the Lord has done great things for them. They know him, they worship him, they're in relationship with him. He sees them and he gives them gifts of joy. It's amazing. It's a dream come true to be seen and known and loved by a creator, isn't it? Man. So I wonder, can we still say that today? The Lord has done great things for us. They say among the nations, the Lord has done great things for us. What do the nations say about us today? Not because our reputation matters or because they have the final say, but I do think if we're living in this joy we're talking about, if we didn't tell our face, are they gonna know that the Lord has done great things? What do they say of us? Do they know us as those who are in covenant relationship with God? Do they know us as those who have been set free from our captivity and our death to sin? Do they know us as those who dream, who filled with laughter and joyful shouting? Do they say that we understand God, that we know him, that we live as his disciples, that we're transforming this bay with things like hope and revelation from God? Or are we known for something else? For always wanting more, for division, for greed, for legalism, for, I don't know. I don't know. I would love the nations to say, the Lord has done great things for us. So great that it can't even, they can't even help but overlook it. Or they can't possibly miss it. You know, sometimes I feel like we Christians are like kids in our cape and kids with our droid and kids with our new spoon and we're still just not that happy about it because we always want more. But we should be known for our relationship with Christ. This should be what defines us, not our stuff, but that we understand and know the risen and resurrected Savior. This is what marks us. This is a dream come true, to know Christ and to be truly known, to be hidden in him, as the great saints have said. So is this the relationship that transforms you? Is this the relationship that you have? Do you know Christ? You know, like Austin said, here at Three Crosses, we're trying uh, to focus on re- revealing God and restoring hope to our community in this season because God is one who restores fortunes and who brings us hope. All we're trying to do is tell the good news about what he has already done. All right, this is why I think the psalmist writes in verses four through six what he does. Look at how the Lord turns around their fortunes. It says, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy and those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. 
You, know, you get this picture that people are going out to plant their crops and all they have to put in the ground are tears. But when they come home, they're carrying sheaves, which is like a grown up piece of wheat that you can harvest and eat, you can have food. In other words, so you go out with only tears and hopelessness and you come back with more than enough, more than you could ever have dreamed about or asked for. It's a dream come true when you encounter the Lord and he turns your life around. Those who sow in tears will reap with joy. Absolutely. And so what has the Lord done for you that we need to shout about? What has the Lord done that is a dream come true? I would love to just remind us a bit this morning about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What has the Lord done? Well, it's the gospel, you guys. That once we were dead to ourselves, lost in darkness, trapped by sin. But Jesus made a way. God himself descended to our earth and he took the form of a human and he announced that the kingdom is here, that the captives are free, that the blind can see, that the lame can walk, that the sick can be healed, that your fortunes are restored. And Jesus tells us in Luke chapter four, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The good news is already here. Jesus is here. After announcing this kingdom, Jesus was tried and he suffered and he was crucified on a cross. And on that cross, he overcame sin and death and hell and the grave because he rose again on the third day. We have crosses in our parking lot to remind us that Jesus died for everyone. And the cross is empty. He's not still there. He's risen and he's ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father. He's coming again soon to judge both the living and the dead. It's not a thing to be afraid of, but a thing to look forward to because as the scriptures say, when he comes again and we can see him face to face, he will wipe every last tear from our eyes. We sow in tears, we will reap with joy, everlasting, absolutely. This gospel is true, it's really, really, really good news. Better than a cape, better than a droid, better than a piñata, (laughs) better even than money, Better even than a gift card, which is like money, but specific money. But we chase this stuff. We chase this stuff. Man, we need to chase the Lord. That's where true joy comes from. So now I'm preaching this hopeful message of joy, but we still have our hurt. But sometimes I feel like that hurt chokes out our joy. You know, in this world, we do have trouble but we can take heart for Jesus Christ has overcome the world. And so today I'd love to ask you, can you let go of your pain and can you focus on your praise? Can you let go of your pain and focus on your praise because the Lord has done so much for us. He set us free and Jesus paid it all. And because he paid it all, you don't have to keep on trying to pay it. He has set you free and whoever the son has set free is truly free. This is the good news of the gospel. You know, next week we're going to talk about Psalm 127 and some of the blessings available for those of us as followers in Christ. But we don't even need to get there to be really grateful for what the Lord has done. We are like those captive ones of Zion who used to be in prison and the Lord has brought us home. It's a dream come true. So let's fill our mouths with laughter and our tongues with joyful shouting. And so I'm going to suggest to you three ways to respond to the Lord in praise this week. 
Praise isn't just music, right? A life of joy comes out of thankfulness. And so I wanna suggest to you three ways that you can activate the good news of Christ in your heart. And so number one, I'm gonna suggest to you that you should tell someone the good things that God has done for you. Tell someone the good things that God has done for you. You know, the psalmist says, among the nations they say the Lord has done good things for them, but how can they know unless you tell them? So tell somebody, tell somebody, tell your coworker, tell the person in the shopping line, Tell the person on BART, private chat in Zoom to your coworker. Tell your kids, tell your spouse, tell your neighbor, tell your friend, tell everybody. Make people annoyed at how much you're telling them good news, right? People need good news, people need hope. This is not bad news that we're sharing. This is not the bad news of the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel. Man, I, once I was blind, but now I see. Tell somebody. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Tell somebody. Once I was hurting, but I found a family, like tell somebody, this is good news. So tell somebody the good things that God has done. It will be good for you to speak about it. It'll be good for them to hear it. It's good news. You know, Moses writes in Deuteronomy 6 about when we should talk about the good things of God. And he says, when you go out and when you come in and when you lay down and when you get up and when you're at home and when you're walking along the road, in other words, all the time, tell the good news all the time because it's good news, it's a dream come true. All right, second thing that I'll challenge you with. So first thing, tell somebody the good things God has done. Second thing, give a generous gift away. You know, I got gifts up here. We all love to give and receive gifts, uh, but I'm not just talking about money or like wealth acquisition. You know, as, as I get older and older, I realize I don't need money or net worth. I need my needs to be met. I need to be seen and known and loved and encouraged. There's a lot of people in our community who have true needs that you can meet. You know, so I wonder, do you know somebody who's recently had a baby? A gift of food delivery would just be like a dream come true, wouldn't it? You know somebody who's suffering through a hard time, a phone call would be a dream come true, wouldn't it? Man, babysitting for a couple drowning would be a dream come true, wouldn't it? Inviting somebody who lives alone out to lunch would be like a dream come true, wouldn't it? It really would. Just give a gift away. It can be time. It can be encouragement. It can be something just rich and costly in terms of preciousness. You know, but financial gifts can also meet needs. You know, think about our missions partners overseas who for $50 a month, you can let them lay behind their employment where they earn money and put them into full-time gospel ministry. What a dream come true that we can partner with somebody to share the gospel full-time. For them, what a dream come true to be a full-time ministry worker. And you can do that with a generous gift. Just, man, if the Lord puts it in your heart, send it away. When we give gifts like this, whether encouragement or financial or whatever, we're saying to people, you might be sowing in tears, but I'm gonna help you reap a little bit more this sheave of joy and praise. The gospel is good news. I'm gonna show you here tangibly, in fact, how it is. Receive this in Jesus' name. He tells us even a cup of cold water given in his name. It's amazing. So give a generous gift this week. All right, and the third thing, remember what he's done and write it down. Remember what he's done and write it down. You know, I love the Bible. It's the record of God's faithfulness through the generations and he's also been faithful to you. But sometimes I think our joy is choked out because we forget we're like those kids who want something more. And so on your way out today, we're gonna give you a gift as well. We have these uh, journals which have our Psalms for the Summer Road logo on them. They're beautiful. Just, a, just an empty notebook for you to write down the faithful acts of God in your life. 
as you remember them. Maybe you want to make this a journal of, of the dreams that you have, things you need to see God do in your life. Write them down. Maybe you want to make it a journal of prayers that you're praying, both for yourself and for others. It can become, therefore, a record of God's faithfulness as you write down when they're answered. You pray, God, I need a job. You get a job. Write it down. Remember. You pray, God, I need my relationship restored. God restores it. Write it down. Remember. You're praying, God, I need hope. I need joy. I need peace. And he fills it. Write it down. And remember. Man, remember the acts of God, because to follow Jesus is like a dream. It's better than anything anybody could come up with. So don't forget, write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Man, the gospel is good news, isn't it? It's really, really good news. So however it finds you today, whether you're one feeling like you're sowing in tears and not yet reaping, or one that you feel like, man, I have these sheaves of joy and I forgot about them. Let's focus our hearts and our minds on the Lord. Will you pray with me today as we close? (laughs) And so, Father, we repent of our lack of ability to remember your goodness. Father, we repent where we find ourselves always wanting more and never satisfied with what you've given. Lord God, you've given us your very self, your very life. You died for us. You exchanged yourself for us. Father, how can we do anything else but respond with joy and praise and thankfulness? Father, for those of us who have dreams in our hearts that we feel like we can't find, would you give us eyes to see? Father, for those of us who have journeyed long in this world and it feels heavy, would you restore our fortunes like a stream of living water? Father, for those of us who feel joy in our hearts, would you help us to rejoice with them? Father, your gospel is good news for all. Would you make us agents of your reconciliation here in this world that we announce that your kingdom is here, it is coming fully soon. Father, may we entrench the gospel deep in our hearts that you are Lord, that you love us, that you died for us, and that you welcome us home. Father, this is good news. We are like those who dreamed. Fill us with your joy, we pray in Jesus' name. And now as we, as we do close, we're going to have an opportunity to sing again some songs of praise to the Lord. And so I'd invite you to stand with us and sing. And, and sing like somebody who really believes that Jesus set them free. Sing like somebody who really knows that they used to be lost, but now they're found. Sing like somebody who used to be a captive, but now is set free. Let's sing together to our great God.